peace, namaste, and shalom. Everybody out there in dreamland, I am the beyond top secret Texan. Join me on my podcast, the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast, where I explore the outer limits of human abilities, top secret military technologies, the reality of extraterrestrial Earth alliances, secret space wars, advanced cryptozoology, subjects of theosophic truth, esotericism, and the occult. Beyond the Top Secret Texan Podcast. Greetings, everybody out there in dreamland. Namaste and shalom. Iron sharpens iron, and a friend sharpens a friend. Thank you all very much for tuning in to another broadcast of the Beyond Top Secret Texan Podcasts. I am your host, the Beyond Top Secret Texan, broadcasting to you from the third coast, the coast with the most, the Gulf Coast of Texas. Thank you all very much. Everyone out there in Dreamland, listeners new and old, I bid you a namaste and shalom. Each and every one of you. If you would like to follow my social media, if you would like to be up Updated on notifications as they happen as my upload across the many platforms which I am active on daily. Go ahead and follow Linktree slash Beyond Top Secret Texan. All one word, lowercase. For links to all my social media, my flagship Instagram account, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, my merch store. Pod page, all those web addresses, all those links, as well as the links to my Telegram group and the many different platforms my podcast is hosted on. All are available, listed for your convenience through Linktree slash Beyond Top Secret Texan. The only link you're going to need to find me find where I'm most active at, as well as all my archives of previous past episodes and videos available for your watching pleasure, as well as education. Thank you very much for tuning into another episode of this UFO series, where we read from the Nightcap Archives available publicly at nightcap.org the most intense and incontrovertible UFO encounters you can read from the recent history of serious ufology they are quickly falling into obscurity They are falling into the memory hole. And we, by we, the royal we, the Beyond Top Secret Texan podcast is a solo project. I am on a mission to bring these from the memory hole to the rabbit hole. 
and to refresh everyone's memories as to the work already done by these giants of citizen journalism and ufology, both at NICAP and MUFON, and many other places and groups around the world who have sacrificed so much to deliver so much truth for all of us, for the people, for the evolution of mankind, and our knowledge and awareness of the universe that we truly live in. I have two such cases for your education and listening acumen. April 17th, 1966. The Portage County UFO Chase. Portage County, Ohio. Between Atwater and Randolph, Ohio. To Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Between 5 to 6.10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. East of Akron, Deputy Sheriff Dale F. Spar and Associate Wilbur N. Or Wilbur Neff saw a 30 to 45 foot metallic object approach over the treetops from the woods, bathing the witness and the whole area in light while making a transformer like electric humming sound. Then headed east and they gave chase in the patrol car at speeds up to 105 miles per hour for 85 miles. Officer Wayne Houston, about 35 miles to the east-southeast, saw the object he described as ice cream cone-shaped, point downwards, approach from the west, and pass overhead at about 800 to 900 feet in height, with Power and Neff in pursuit to the southeast. He joined them near Unity, Ohio with the object about one half to three fourths of a mile ahead of them reaching the Pennsylvania state line at 5.35 a.m. They lost sight of the object at Brady Run Park regained it again in Bridgeport, Bridgeport, Pennsylvania at about this time officers Lonnie Johnson and Ray Easterly in Salem, Ohio, saw three jet fighters, two confirmed F-102s, attempting to intercept a bright object at about 10,000 to 20,000 feet, at about 25 degrees elevation to the east for about two minutes. In Conway, Pennsylvania, at 6 a.m., they met with Officer Frank Panzarella, who had been watching the object for 10 minutes to the east or southeast, which he described as 25 to 35 feet across, half football shaped, and at about 1,000 feet of height, or 1,500 to 2,000 feet 
altitude, according to the others. When it stopped in the northeast towards Harmony, Pennsylvania, then rose, they watched as the object climbed to about 3,500 feet to the left of and level with the quarter moon in the east-southeast, which was about the azimuth 116 degrees elevation, 14 degrees and 11% illuminated at 6 a.m., and Venus at 122 degrees azimuth, 22 degrees elevation. And it passed near a 707 airliner taking off from the Pittsburgh airport and disappeared, shooting up vertically at about 6.10 a.m. And this incident seems familiar to you. Just remember, in the motion picture, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, investigated by NICAP's William Weitzel. This report, also known as the Spauer-Neff case, was the basis for the UFO police chase in the film. This case involves police witnesses, a confrontation, light beams, brilliant illumination, light engulfment, sounds heard, cat and mouse chases with rapid upward departures, and Air Force involvement. Special thanks goes out to Kufos for providing the documentation and to Lloyd Presley for converting them into text, making his webpage. Ravenna, Ohio calls for reevaluation not only to the scientific grounds involved, but also to avoid unfairly subjecting to local public ridicule the several officers who have testified. The official Air Force evaluation of the uh, astronomical explanation is now understandably quite unreasonable. And that's the last quote. The detailed report is as follows. One of the most dramatic encounters by police officers with an apparently structured low-level UFO occurred in the early mornings of April 17, 1966. Officers of the Portage County, Ohio Sheriff's Department, first saw the object rise up from the near-ground level, bathing them in light near Ravenna, Ohio, about 5 a.m. Ordered by the sergeant to pursue the object, they chased it for 85 miles across the border into Pennsylvania, as it seemed to play a cat-and-mouse game with them. Along the route, police officers from other jurisdictions saw the object and joined in to assist in the chase. Deputy Sheriff Dale Spower and Mounted Deputy Wilbur Barney Neff had left their scout car to investigate an apparently abandoned automobile on Route 224. Spower described a sighting in these words, I was looking up behind me so no one can come up behind us, and when I looked in this wooded area behind us, I saw this thing. At this time, it was coming up to about treetop level. I said about 100 feet. It started moving towards us. As it came over the trees, I looked at Barney, and he was still watching the car. And he didn't say anything, and the thing kept getting brighter, and the area started to get light. I told him to look over his shoulder, and he did. 
just stood there with his mouth open for a minute, as bright as it was, and he looked down, and I started looking down, and it looked at my hands, and my clothes weren't burning or anything. When it stopped right over on top of us, the only thing, the only sound in the whole area was an electric hum, like a transformer being loaded or an overloaded transformer when it char- when it charges. I was petrified, and so I moved my right foot, and everything seemed to work all right. And evidently, he made the same decision I did to get something between me and it, or us and it, or whatever you would say. So we both went for this car. We got in the car, and we sat there. As they watched the UFO move towards the east, and then stopped again. Spower picked up the microphone and reported it to the dispatcher. At this time, the object was about 250 feet away, brilliantly lighting up the area. It was very bright. It'd make your eyes water, Spower said. Sergeant Schoenfeldt, of off-duty at the station, told him to follow it and keep it under observation while they tried to get a photo unit to the scene. Spear and Neff turned south on Route 183, then back east on Route 224, which placed the object to the right and out the left window. At this time, said Spower, it came straight south, just one motion, buddy, just a smooth glide, and began moving east when the pacing it, just as to the right at the estimated altitude of 300 to 500 feet, illuminating the ground beneath it. Once more, the UFO darted to the north, now left of the car, and they sped up to over 100 miles per hour to keep pace with it. As the sky became brighter with pre-dawn light, Spower and Neff saw the UFO in silhouette with a vertical projection at its rear. The object began to take on a metallic appearance as the chase continued. Spow kept up a running conversation with other police cars that were trying to catch up with them. Once they made a wrong turn at an intersection, the object stopped, then turned, and came back to their position until they were able to correct their mistake and resume the chase. Police officer Wayne Houston of East Palestine, Ohio, situated near the Pennsylvania border, had been monitoring the radio broadcast and was parked at an intersection he knew the Portage County officers would be passing soon. Shortly afterwards, he saw the UFO pass by with the sheriff's cruiser in hot pursuit. He swung out and joined the chase. At Conway, Pennsylvania, Spower spotted another parked police car and stopped to enlist his aid since their cruiser was almost out of gas. The Pennsylvania officer called his dispatcher. According to Spower, as the four officers stood and watched the UFO, which had stopped and was hovering, there was traffic on the radio about jets being scrambled to chase the UFO, and we could see these jets coming in. When they started talking about uh, fighter planes, it was just as if they thing overheard every word that was said, It went and straight up, and I mean when it went up, friend, it didn't play no games. It went straight up. Transcript of the tape interviewed by Dale Spower. The Air Force identified the UFO as a satellite, seen part of the time and confused with the planet Venus. Another pressure from the Ohio officials, Major Hector Quantanilla, a chief of Project Blue Book, had an acrimonious confrontation with witnesses and refused to change the identification officially as a misidentified satellite or the planet Venus. 
although it was pointed out to him that they had seen the UFO in addition to Venus and the moon at the conclusion of the observation, Major Quantanella also denied that any jets had been scrambled. William B. Weitzel conducted an exhaustive investigation on behalf of the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, NICAP, obtaining taped interviews, signed statements, sketches, and all pertinent data, which was assembled into a massive report that was made available to congressional investigators. When the University of Colorado UFO project was initiated in 1966, a copy of Weisel's report was hand-delivered to the director, Dr. Edward U. Condon, for his consideration. The Condon report, published two years later, does not mention the case. What I was saying earlier in a previous episode about the monumental monolithic conspiracy to keep all of this silent and secret through obscurity and the refusal to admit the most important cases into evidence or into congressional or or official government hearings in America specifically is directly because of this massive monolithic cover-up and a complete disregard for the dignity and human rights of the eyewitnesses even if they wear badges and serve law and order and serve the communities that they live in as faithful, loyal American citizens that it's beyond the right of Americans to know the truth of what they are directly seeing, chasing, and sometimes even being chased by. The second case also has service personnel, uniformed members of our communities and societies, but these belonging to the Air Force have even a greater credibility due to their trained status as expert observers of aircraft. This next case is the UFO alert at Edwards Air Force Base, October 7, 1965. 1965, October 7, Edwards Air Force Base, California. Up to 12 luminous UFOs flew over the secure testing facility and the region, and at least one F-106 Alpha interceptor was scrambled from the George Air Force Base at Victorville, California. All of this action was captured on classified U.S. Air Force audio tapes, which have now been declassified and are available to the public along with official documentation of the incident. The question in my mind is, what was going on during these three to four hours we don't know about? If we were allowed to hear only six hours of 40 total hours of tape and read only 17 pages of hard-to-read censored documents, what is it we're not allowed to hear and see? The documents we have make it clear that by the time Alpha Lima Zero One was scrambled at 12.09 Z or 5.09 p.m. Pacific Time, 
the activity was just about over. Also, an editorial note. The evening, October 7th, and the following one, October 8th, 1965, on Edward's official plan of the day, states that some 700 engineers and scientists attended the 4th X-15 Technical Conference at the then NASA Flight Research Center at Edwards Air Force Base. This dealt with the research results of 150 X-15 experimental flights made since 1959. Astronautics and Aeronautics, 1965, NASA, page 464. As precedent that that was the attendance on the day of this massive UFO sighting that happened over nationally security sensitive areas such as this Air Force Base. The detailed case is as follows. UFO alert at Edwards Air Force Base. A true account by Samuel Sherman. Excuse me. In 1961, I saw and photographed an illuminated dome disc over New York City. I was treated with ridicule then, and I didn't like it. I had three other witnesses to this event. I planned to do a UFO documentary in the 1960s on this subject and use some of the stills and motion picture footage I had photographed. At the time, I was more interested in going to L.A. to make dramatic films, which I did. I came back to my old project in 1992, and I had to endure the slings and arrows of ridicule from my friends and even business associates working on this film, now called Beyond This Earth. I decided that I needed hard evidence that the subject was a real one, especially evidence from government agencies which would add credibility if they had any connection to the subject. From December 1992 to about June 1994, we filmed interviews, staged reenactments, obtained unique UFO footage, and even sent up a plane to chase and film UFOs from the air. The plane succeeded in this mission, but that is another story. Having that success, I felt that we were on a roll and more real events would take place, which we would cover, but that did not. Not knowing if what we filmed in Northern California posed a threat to the public, I felt we should make an official report on it, which we did. This led to the suggestion that we go to various government agencies through the Freedom of Information Act and otherwise. This has been a long, tedious process because we found out that we could classify the people we were in contact with into three categories regarding the UFO phenomenon. One, they knew nothing and couldn't help at all. Two, they knew nothing but wanted to help and were pro-release and project. Three, they knew something and didn't want to help and were anti-project. Even still, we obtained the following declassified materials related to the UFO subject. Over 4,000 pages of paper documents and correspondence. Still photographs, radar photographs, motion picture film, videotapes, and audio tapes. Audio tapes? Who was interested in that? We all wanted to see something, not just hear it. 
Well, it turned out that the sounds presented some fantastic images all their own. I reviewed the audio materialists as I had shelved them for months. Wanted visuals only, I thought. What a mistake. What a fool I was. I listened to six hours of confusing audio recordings from Edwards Air Force Base from the night of October 7th, 1965, in which it sounded like a UFO alert was taking place over the base with 12 strange luminous objects coming down over the runway of one of the nation's most secure test facilities. This was, is the place where they fly the black classified projects, like the SR-71 and the U-2. They know what they are and what planes, helicopters, stars, weather balloons, planets, and satellites are of all nations. So what were they getting excited about? It was difficult to tell in the six hours of audio tapes. These tapes were declassified, but in a form called Scrambled Release. They all were chopped up, out of sequence, and edited, so they made very little sense in context. I knew there was a story in there somewhere. Between the chopped up editing and the overlay of noise, something very important lay in the truth. I decided to analyze the tapes for possible use in a segment called, or segment in Beyond This Earth. I took eight months in my own audio studio editing one-fourth inch audio tapes, after signal processing them in computer to remove noise. I got to know the tapes so well, I felt I almost knew the people in the tapes, which I would in time. Now what these tapes and why are they made? In 1965, the Air Force ran large reels of recording tapes which recorded all of the signals and phone calls from radar. Then if an incident or accident or problem took place, the radar could be replayed like a running videotape to figure out what took place. In the case of special events, a track on these radar tapes could be used to record voice transmissions at the airbase. This included all phone patches, base-to-base communications, and ground or tower-to-air radio broadcasts. Now this is what took place on the night of October 7, 1965 at Edwards Air Force Base. By putting these tapes into chronology and doing further research, the story emerges. At approximately 12.30 a.m., the tower operator at Edwards, Edwards Tower, Tech Sergeant Charles Chuck Sorrells, saw a group of luminous objects flashing red, white, and blue, or green, coming over the field. His job as an air traffic controller taught him to be watchful so he could identify incoming planes. When these objects started to do unusual maneuvers, he knew this was out of the ordinary and called the Air Defense Command. In this case, a unit known as LADS, the Los Angeles Air Defense Sector. Major Struble at the Los Angeles Air Defense Sector overheard the recordings to be made. Now we hear all this taking place on the actual tapes. He involves NORAD and the following other air bases, Norton, Hamilton, George, and March. The Major wanted to send planes up after the objects but could not do this until a captain at Edwards approved sending up the planes. This captain was the, get this, UFO officer in charge on the base, which it's noted that the military personnel call UFO UFO officer 
This was apparently more than just a job classification for reporting objects, but he had to request the plane or planes go up from the 28th Air Division at Hamilton, or they would not go up. In short, the Air Defense Command needed his authority to command the scrambled interceptors. Well, here we are. The UFO subject, which we have heard does not exist, has its own UFO officer with authority over interceptor jets. There were no officers on base for the other paranormal pursuits. There are no demon officers, no ghost officers, or no leprechaun officers. Once I started editing the tapes into some kind of sequence, everybody wanted to hear them. I then started making some cassettes as samples and everybody wanted them. I gave many away and was encouraged to go further with my research, which I did. I found Chuck Sorrells, who authenticated the event and recorded an audio interview for my tape, verifying the details. I went to about a dozen military agencies and they helped with the research. Eventually I put this together into a 54 minute audio documentary on audio cassettes along with a copy of Air Force written documentation and a large vinyl display case and called the final program the Edwards Air Force Base Encounters. I have had great positive response to this work where I have made feature films for theaters for many years and do have some fans, nothing I ever worked on yielded this response. Apparently many people, like myself, have been researching the UFO subject seriously and were ridiculed by friends and family alike. They, as I, needed some hard evidence to show, play, or for others, to gain new respect. I have been told that the people are getting this tape, inviting their friends over, and having UFO parties, playing the tape to the amazement of all present. This is what has been going on. The media caught onto this and I have been interviewed by numerous radio and TV programs on this subject and Paramount flew me out to California to appear in and work on two-part sightings episodes on the Edwards tapes. We filmed in the Mojave Desert near Edwards Air Force Base where the original event took place. They were very pleased with how it turned out and got a good reaction. I have also sent copies of the documentary back to official agencies with positive reactions. The tapes are guaranteed to be authentic. I am still researching the subject for a two-hour TV special. We have not only the tapes, but the UFOs are spotted on radar, height finder radar, weather radar, and mutual observations from many locations, ground, towers, tops of buildings, and planes. On the tapes, we hear one F-106 pilot chasing a UFO up to 40,000 feet. However, my research shows that one plane may have crashed and a third plane also was sent up. The six hours of tape I received, I believe to have been cut down from over 40 original hours of tape. What could be on the rest of them, I wonder? I am seeking further research on this event and connecting events at Edwards and related bases. I am also seeking to locate Major Struble, Captain John Ballot, the UFO officer, and others involved with this event, which was given a code name, The Incident. There were some civilians near Edwards who also saw something and some stories in local papers, which I would like to obtain copies of. Many other events like this have taken place at other locations, but the information is, we're 
Where is the government keeping this information? The existence of these tapes serves to prove that the entire subject is real. I am continuing to work on it. End quote. Samuel M. Sherman. What makes this historic intrusion and visit so important is that the U.S. Air Force thoroughly documented it and even gave it a code name, the incident. During that fall night in 1965, it seems that 12 luminous UFOs came right down and low and just over a secure military runway. These craft were all sighted visually by Air Force personnel and by several types of radar. Further, the Air Force scrambled several jet fighters after them, and during the event, the possible use of nuclear weapons even became an issue. The entire incident was additionally documented with written reports, radar photos, and audio tapes made by Air Force personnel while they were actually seeing the objects, flying after the objects, and considering taking serious military actions known as the nuclear option, against what they might imply as a direct threat to national security. From my calculations, at least 40 hours of the recordings were made, a five-hour event recorded from at least eight locations. However, only six hours of audio tapes were declassified many years ago as a mass of noise and unclear voices, which truly defied interpretation. They had intentionally scrambled the tapes into what they felt was a hopeless jumble of random pieces of conversation, utterly out of sequence and logical progression. When I realized we had done the impossible, it presented a challenge which made me determined to find out what was hidden within the chaotic mass of sound. Furthermore, the C-SETI organization has used my taped presentation in meetings with members of Congress with the aim of having our government tell the public the truth of ET involvement on the earth. Technical Sergeant Charles Sorrells heard prominently on the original Edwards recording of October 7, 1965, and in newly produced segments confirming the event made the presentation in Washington, which featured my documentary version of the Edwards tapes. And yes, the plane spotters at Edwards knew that UFOs, or UFOBs, as they are called them then, were not our own black projects, Soviet enemy bombers, or any other known aircraft. They were unknown fabulously high-tech aircraft with capabilities beyond any known technology, and as they said on the old Superman series, far beyond that of mortal man. That is the detailed Edwards Air Force Base Incident, 1965. Hope you were educated as well as entertained during these last two UFO incidences involving mass sightings by uniformed personnel who scrambled 
in response to this unexplained and definitely unidentified flying object. In the case of Edwards, almost a dozen flying objects. That was the Edwards Air Force Base incident. And the Ohio UFO police chase. Read by yours truly, the beyond top secret Texan. From the Nightcap UFO Incidents Archive, available from nightcap.org. Thank you all very much for listening. Namaste and Shalom. Iron sharpens iron. A friend sharpens a friend. Follow me on all my social media as well as my platforms that my podcast is hosted on as well as my own personal webpage. All of it's available. All the links are available on linktree slash beyond top secret Texan. Link tr.ee slash beyond top secret Texan. All one lo- our lowercase, all one word. That's Linktree slash Beyond Top Secret Texan. You can find all my updates, notifications as they happen, as well as my daily posts. So come join the conversation. Follow, like, and subscribe. And definitely feel free to leave a tip or any kind of reward you would prefer or like as just a sign of appreciation or thanks. If the mood strikes you, if you want to get off the fence and help fund independent citizen journalism, my episodes are free. My videos are free. All I ask is that you subscribe, like, and share them with your friends. But anything you would have in terms of donations or tips would be appreciated and much obliged. Patreon, of course, is still shut down. And everything helps. So thank you all very much for listening to Beyond Top Secret Texan. God bless you and your families. Peace out.